0: Good afternoon morning wherever you are in the world welcome to the stories with sash podcast the podcast in which we try and solve motoring problems and talk about other bits and pieces as well today i'm only joined by my friend well my co-host mike not friends how I'm are always we, Ash? Mike?
1: just uh just colleagues
0: is it uh, just colleagues now mate strictly business strictly business only now um how uh, well we've lost our friend um Rob, because he's actually doing some business in inverted commas, interpret that as you will. I'm not sure what that means, but we can all maybe have our own thoughts and ideas on that. Um, But anyway, how are you, Mike? It's been a little while because you went on last week. Uh, Rob was on last week. So it's been a couple of weeks since I've spoken to you properly. So um, how's it going?
1: I've been good. Yeah, I, I uh, I was very busy. And so I wasn't on previously. Um, but now I'm, I'm, I'm less busy. So yeah, it's been, it's been, been, okay. Yeah. Good, good, good.
0: What's, um, well, tell us what have you been up to then? Anything, um, exciting, car related, maybe DIY related, you know, t- tell us, every- tell us everything.
1: Well, I had a little trip down to Cornwall this weekend in, in, uh, in my car, just took it out for a little spin while I was down there. Uh, I had a drive of a Jag XK, which was an an event. I suppose it was yeah, definitely quite interesting to drive that. It was a bit different than what I thought it was going to be. So that was a, I think it was a two thousand and eleven Jag XK. So it's got the uh, the five liter V eight, four hundred yes. horsepower.
0: Uh huh. So this is this is um because I've seen this because this is the it's a convertible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, convertible. X, so it's not an XKR, it's an XK. Yeah. yeah. Five, but the later five liter one. Nice car. I do actually quite like them, and you can actually pick them up now for very reasonably uh, reasonable prices. Actually, particularly the slightly earlier ones because they came out in like two thousand and six. That short shape. Yeah, so yeah. They We're around for a while. So, um... oh, nice. So, um, go on then. The viewers want to hear, or the listeners, should I say, how was it? <sighs>
1: It was not how I thought it was going to be. I'll, I'll put it that way. I don't know if it was obviously it's not my car. So I haven't gone out and bought a Jag, which meant yeah. that I was being quite uh, delicate with it. So I took it out for maybe about an hour and a half or so. And it was also absolutely chucking it down. So I had 400 horsepower rear wheel drive in a car that is, like you said, that they're reasonably priced for what they are. But they are still exceedingly out of my price range. Yeah. And I was just yeah driving it on um third-party insurance. So if I'd have been that, I'd have been liable for the cost of the entire car. You know, you're you're gently going around every corner. And also, because I was down in Cornwall, there's no, you know, there's no motorways down there. You can't really boot anywhere. It's all back lanes. So you're right in the middle of autumn, wet leaves everywhere, chucking it down with rain in this car that's not yours with way too much power. It was, yeah, it was was good, but it was, um, yeah, I couldn't really, I guess, use the full extent of the vehicle Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. so you mentioned i mean so not how you're expecting was this because of the circumstances in which you drove it or was the car didn't drive the way you thought it would oh no the car
1: drove exactly how i thought it would be it was proper cruisy you know a real grand tourer Mm -hmm. just automatic as soon as you even touch the throttle you're just away gone yeah no no looking back but um yeah just the conditions it was just really really like conditions and where i was driving it was not what it was meant for had it have been dry and had it have been not in you know super tight because when you say to people you know b lanes and all the rest of it and small windy roads everyone thinks oh yeah that's gonna be great these weren't your sort of nice to navigate windy roads These like wing mirror to wing mirror yeah. roads with the bushes banging it against it in the absolute fucking down rain. So
0: it was just difficult. I, yeah, I, I see. That's more sort of akin to sort of MX-5 sort of territory as opposed to sort of V8 Jag
1: territory. Yeah, because that's okay. why everyone says that the MX-5 is quite fun, because you can just row through the gears and it's fine, even if you put your foot down. There's not enough power there to really get yourself into too much trouble. Mm-hmm. I probably only went fully on the throttle, like Twice, three times. but as soon yeah, as you yeah. did it, just spin the tyres. Like I was going completely yeah. straight on a road, foot flat to the floor, tyres spinning, regardless of what speed you're doing. It's just, yeah.
0: Well, the question is, though, after your drive of it, I know you may obviously didn't get to see the full extent of it, but would you consider buying one after driving <laughs> it?
1: Not just yet. Give it another, uh, say, 40 years, and I'll be interested <laughs> in getting it. It was definitely... <laughs> Not, you can really see why, you know, the, the clientele of that car is the clientele of that car. It's, you, you get inside, it's ultra comfortable. Everything is, you know, fairly well premium compared to the things that I'm normally driving. Wood dashboard, all the rest of it. Really nice, but just not what I'm looking for.
0: So I a question that I have, and I think I remember when I sat at it, it was the, because it's a 2011 car, you said, is it? So nearly I getting so, on for, yeah. a, it's nearly getting on for a decade old, right? Was the sat-nav on it lovely, <laughs> pathetic. Didn't even because use it. I, I literally did loved... it. I stuck my phone in. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. So I drove a Jag, not an XK. I've driven a Jag XF of a similar era. I think it might have been 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. The three litre diesel one. And lovely car, like you just said, comfortable, very jag-like. But the sat-nav on it, I just got into. It, I was like, "What the hell is this? This is just a- it's an absolute joke. It's like a little, I don't know. It's like somebody drew it on an etch-a-sketch. It's just oh, yeah. I, it'll it, be
1: the exact same sat-nav as this one. It was abysmal.
0: Yeah. So oh, yeah.
1: But the yeah. thing is, though,
0: right? It might be. Do you know what? I know how you were saying in the past few weeks that you know you're tempted by an E46 M3, but for the price, you one of those early x case for that sort of money.
1: I don't want that. And this is what I was saying. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Well, i say I don't want that. An M3 in terms of the power and the all to the rear wheels, all the rest of it. You just get the same issues as you would in that.
0: Yeah, true, true. Question is, final question I have about it is, would you have the convertible over the coupe or would you have a coupe over the convertible?
1: Well, this is a bit of a yeah. weird thing. Normally, well, I say normally, in, in the cars that we look at, the convertible's traditionally are cheaper everyone wants the hard tops everyone wants the the coupes not in these days. pick up the coupes cheaper so just because i'm stingy i'd probably go to coupé
0: (laughs) fair enough fair enough I, i i i actually think i actually knew that actually to be fair i'd forgotten about it but i think like you say the convertibles of them are are nice because i have to say there are very few convertibles i think in this world that if you and i look you know we might get some complaints on this but i'm going to say it anyway i think there's very few convertibles in this planet that if you drive it and you're a bloke right you do get some questions asked about you but i'm fully i'm fully aware and i'm going to put my hands up when i had an mx5 and i am planning on getting another one at some point people are going to question if i'm a hairdresser or you know i you know get engaged with different things but i think there are some there are some exceptions to that rule and I think one of them is something like a big jag convertible. I think if you're a bloke and you're driving a big jag convertible, I think that's quite Yeah, I think it suits quite well. I don't think um I don't think many questions will be asked of that. You might disagree with me, but I don't know. I I, I think um
1: well, It's just every every time you raise that point about convertibles and who can drive them and who can't, I just <laughs> drive whatever you want to drive, mate. Oh well, no. no one, it's just it's just quite, everyone, you know a little bit of fun at mx 5 and says they're a hairdresser's car but
0: just yeah nah
1: Drive drive whatever you want to drive
0: uh, yeah you're right you're right you're absolutely right um so i suppose that's a bit of an intro actually well the only bit of news that i've got since a couple of weeks ago was well i, I insured my little fit chingo and i actually took it out for a spin for the first time yesterday and it was a trip down memory lane it was just like i passed my test that's 17, nearly, well, over eight years ago now, I found out on the weekend. Um, and yeah, it's as um, it's suitably slow as I remembered it being last time. Although having said that, because it's just so basic, you do feel like you're going faster than what you actually <laughs> are,
1: which is so quite nice. I said I was probably flat down on the throttle maybe a handful of times the entire time I was driving that car. How yes. many times were you... Foot flat to the floor in your Fiat?
0: Well, uh, all the time, otherwise it won't move. Um, <laughs> you know, but the beauty of that vehicle is that you can never really be going fast enough to have a proper crash and get yourself into trouble. So it's, um, it's, Good
1: job, it's because there's literally no safety equipment either.
0: Yes, that's true. There is no, but I tell you, actually, uh, there's another lie. I actually have got another bit of news. So over the past two weeks, I've been home. Um, two weeks in a row actually just to for various bits and pieces and i actually drove and i discussed this last week um on the podcast actually um rob's old car the vw Bora, and i drove my mum's toyota yaris right now i want to talk about the yaris first and i know i know people are going to probably switch off at this point but it's a 1.3 2004 so it's about 15 years old 16 years old um Automatic, right? Which I know is, you know, we don't like automatic, but I'll tell you what, that is a nippy little car. Like, I absolutely love driving it. And I was like, Do you know what? Because it's more powerful than my Fiat. So it actually felt like, not that you could get yourself into trouble into it, but, you know, it was actually really good around the bends. Suspension doesn't worry about. And the fact that it was automatic. And I know I hate it when people say this sometimes, like, oh, it drives like a go-kart. But this is kind of like driving like a go-kart because you, you sit quite low down to the ground. Um, and it's just it's just it's just accelerate, brake, accelerate, brake. And I I thought it was great fun. I actually had a great time in it. And as well as that, with the Aris, you ever been in the Toyota Aris before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, they've got those digital displays in the middle. That are- yeah, and- with the weird magnifying glass. Yeah. So you, as a passenger, you can't see what the driver is seeing. You can't see any of the displays. So it just has um, revs, uh, speed, and uh, fuel, and that's and that's all it is in there. But it's very future. It's very traditionally Japanese, um, and uh, it's all very digital. So I I think that's a it's a, I think it's a great little car and. I know we spoke about it the other week, but if you are considering a first car, I think Toyota Yaris is a a good one to go by. Jumping around a bit. um, And then the final view I have is that the VW Bora is not actually a bad car to drive. It's not great. Oh, my
1: God. So what is this? How many years have you been ripping on that car? It's
0: terrible. Well, since Rob's had it it about five years ago now, but um, (laughs) I have to say the engine in it despite it having nearly 210,000 miles now it Look. is it is it, it's it's as sweet as a nut i <laughs> actually think it it honestly it's such a great engine in that car and what the gearbox else? is quite good as well is, is, is that the 2 liter diesel it's got in it. uh well 1. 1.9 1. 9, pd okay.
1: yeah.
0: 1.9 pd 130 130 what, brake. Um, what age is it what age yeah uh it's getting on now for six, it's about 16 and a half years old, 16, nearly 17 years old next year. So what so year is that? 2000.
1: 2000. It's 2004. Okay. Right. 2000. i just because, uh, yeah, my, my brother's just bought an Audi, uh, Audi A6 estate, and that's got a two litre diesel in it. And I couldn't remember what one Rob has in it. Uh, it's the same engine, but looks like not.
0: What year is his, is your, do you, do you know what your brother's,
1: 2008 maybe yeah it'll be a a two two litre it'll be a later one
0: has he got rid of the slk then
1: well if you want an slk there's an slk going very very cheap
0: oh right (laughs) hang on is it the 200 or the 230. uh 230. oh the proper one so it's got the supercharger on it or the compressor as they call it in mercedes yeah. Yeah, yeah is it automatic it is automatic isn't it yeah 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 do you know what if you want cheap thrills, I think an old SLK, you can't really go too wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, he wants like, you know, £1,000 of this. So if know. you want very, very cheap thrills, you can get
0: them. O- the only thing that's putting me off is the problem with most SLKs of that era is that they're automatic. And I don't really want an automatic
1: one. Unfortunately, that's what... You know, I know. I know, I know. It's not even just the I... SLKs of that era. It's all the Mercedes.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. But you could get them in manual. But anyway, I suppose they'd be in a more inflated price. But... um Anyway, we digress slightly, but that's what we've been up to. Rob is just doing business and um so I'll speak on his behalf uh on that front. But we got we want to talk about a number of things today. And I think shall we start with Mike, something that grinds your gears. Um so you mentioned it to me last week, or maybe it was grinding your gears and now you just want to talk about it and you know, get it off your chest. But um something about forums, if I'm right in saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a very, very niche point, but I've seen it on a number of forums for a number of different cars when you're looking these things up. Now, I own a 330CI, for those of you who don't know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that is considered to be the baby M3 of the era. It, it's not an M3 in any way, shape or form. Uh, yeah, It's called the car that you get if you can't afford an M3, which is exactly why I own it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I have looked, you know, as you do with any car you have, you think, what could I do to this to make it better? So you look on the forums and you see what's going on and sort of the first first thought that popped into my head is I wonder I wonder how easy it is to turbocharge these. Just just out of curiosity. It's gonna cost, I knew off the bat it would cost thousands of pounds and would be a stupid idea. It's not gonna happen. But I'd be interested to see just how easy it was or how difficult it was. So you go on the forums and you type in these things in and every single thread says the same thing. They're just like just buy an m3 just buy an m3 just buy an m3 mm. what why are you wasting your time and money with this just buy an m3 mm. they don't ever give anything constructive it's always just why are you bothering buying an m3 and i was like right fine that's a fair enough point because <laughs> i found out they all were worth, you know thousands of pounds and a whole load of issues to get a turbocharger to work and then recently i decided to look up and see how easy it was to put in performance cans and just get you know. A little bit of extra power just mm. or maybe even just change the driving style go on the forums same thing again why are you wasting your money just buy an m3 and like, <laughs> people don't and the same thing like they'd be talking underneath saying why are you chasing numbers just buy an m3 if you want big numbers just buy the m3 and you're like, mm. but people don't you're missing the point like people sometimes want to do things to their cars do things to their engines to make it their mm. own and these will be mm. the same people who'll spend thousands of pounds on a new set of wheels and body kits and getting all the tints and stuff done to their windows but the second someone's like I want to change the engine what what are you wasting your money for just just buy an M3 mm. you're like
0: it just seems a bit I, I I I get both your points on this one and I think it entirely depends on the car you're speaking on so in your example right E46 3 series right 330ci comparing it to the M3 Ah, oh, it's a difficult one. I, I I do kind of see where the forums are coming from, though. Like yeah. entirely because the, mat- the the from a cost point of view, right? The amount of money that you would spend trying to get the performance near to, or maybe more, or may or around the same as an M3, you may as well have bought an M3 at that point.
1: But if you're not trying to make the performance that of an M3, what what's an M3's sort of stats? Just looking at the numbers, You've got well, like, like, you like know, 300 something horsepower, whatever it is. And then yeah. you've got all of the fancy suspension and all the rest of the kit that goes along with it. That's not necessarily what someone's trying to do with a three thirty. Yeah. Trying to do something else, and it's not. It's not like I said. It's not just this car. I know mine is particularly bad for it because a lot of people buy that, or the M three, and then try and make it an M mm-hmm. three, which just doesn't really work. But it happens with other cars as well. They're always just like, "Oh, why don't you just buy buy a car with a bigger engine or buy the other version of it?" And you're just like, "Yeah, that's not." It's not really it's, what
0: they're going for. I know. I kind of see what you mean. I kind of see what you mean. I mean, uh, to be fair, I do. I know of a couple of people who have got E46 BMW 3 Series. And they're not trying to do what maybe you're looking into. They've often started with like a 318 and then upgrade it to like a 325 engine. And the beauty mm. of that is because obviously it fits. Right. And it's, 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 a, it's a relatively easy he says conversion in the sense of all the wiring and stuff like that isn't actually too bad there's enough space for you to do so so it's swap in swap out but i think when you're talking more about the top end when you're like all right we've got basically nearly the biggest engine they ever put in that free series like apart from obviously the M3, but that's only marginally bigger. Strapping turbos and stuff are uh, not impossible, but more difficult. So I kind of I kind of see what I kind of see what they mean, but I see also what you mean here as well. So on the on the reflection of what you found out from the forums, or what you haven't really found out from the forums, should I say? What are you going to do? Are you going to still potentially look into upgraded performance on the 330, no. or are you just going to maybe?
1: still continue the the m3 hunt
0: yeah yeah i mean i was never
1: you know really looking into it in any major way had it have been easy or cheap to do i would i would definitely look into doing it you know if it was just the case of a few hundred quid or or maybe just slightly more than that and a weekend's worth of work to change over some bits and bobs not turbo charging obviously that would be significantly more expensive yeah. and more difficult but just other various things then I would do it. I mean, the, the argument that people say is, like, BMW have already done all that work. What are you bothering for? Mm. Which, with the 330, is a very fair point. Like, mm. you can go and get remaps on those and have different intakes and exhausts and all the rest of it, and you can make, like, five extra horsepower. It's not, it's not really meant for that. But I just no. don't... It's just no... It's really the point of the forums is so that if someone has done that work, that is where you would be going to look for it yeah yeah
0: and I again again
1: right. i suppose if you are then saying i'm looking at doing this people would be valid in raising the point of you know have you considered the fact that the amount of money you're going to spend is not necessarily worth it but here is the information you are looking for instead of just an outright barrage of people being like you're stupid what are you doing that for mate? like don't bother with it if someone's really you... set on doing it they'll do it
0: yeah, you're right. You're right. But do you think and you will know more than I will about this? I, I've heard stories that you've told me as well. But is it just the fact that not many people have done it? So there isn't a lot of information out there. And is that because everyone just thought the same as what these forums are saying to you, which is why would you bother? Let's just get M free. Is, do you think that's the reason why people are being kind of unhelpful in this circumstance? Because I'm trying to think in the back of my mind, I'm not huge into mods, as you know, but there are you know, some cars out there, I'm thinking particularly Japanese cars, that if you were to go onto Google right now and you're like, I want to upgrade, I'm trying to think of a good example here, but say something like a Honda Civic Type R, Like you can tune them, I think, to quite... You know, quite some lengths, and if you want to do mods on them, I think it's relatively straightforward. But it sounds like in your case, or your particular model at least, it's just not really a thing
1: or hurdle. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you can. It is. People have done it. But <laughs> why would you point? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do see. I do, you know, I completely understand and agree with with where the people on the forums that coming from. I don't. I don't think it's wrong. I think they can yeah. be right in saying, that's a ridiculous idea, what you're doing. Mm. But it is is—it is sort of, I think, in terms of the price points, because we're always saying, wait, well, you to save up for an M3 and things. The price point is rapidly changing. Mm. So I do think that that might change come soon enough in the future. Because I know the 330 is, like, everyone's always, oh, you know, it's going to be appreciating classic, it's all the rest of it. It's going to be nothing compared to the M3. If the 330 becomes an appreciating, yeah. relatively classic car, the M3 price is shooting through the roof, mm. as we're currently seeing. I mean, I picked my car up what, 12 months ago. Fast, having, a, yeah. having a look again now at the prices of those cars, they've gone up significantly. But then having a look at the M3 prices now, compared to what they were 12 months ago, they've like shot through the roof.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think, um, yeah, as we've said a few times in this podcast, the E46 M3 does come up quite a lot.
1: Um, good
0: reason for that mate (laughs) it is a good car and it's probably my favorite m3 out of all the ones they ever made on balance right um i think it's kind of like now or never but they are they are basically at that tipping point now where they're rapidly becoming quite unaffordable um to to well, to people like us and to the vast majority of people who are into BMWs or getting into BMWs in the first place. Although I have to mention, um, completely on a unrelated note, my brother said to me, um, what's the one before the E forty six? Is that E thirty six? Yeah. Yeah. He knows somebody, well, his girlfriend's dad who uh fixes somebody's I don't know what I don't know what the biggest engine they did in them. He says it's a three thirty, but I didn't think they did a three thirty. What, but E36? if you're in yeah.
1: No, i think they did a
0: 328 but anyway he's interested in selling it if you want because i know you mentioned a couple of months ago you'd like a E thirteen, maybe actually it was when i saw you um but it's yeah not i mean rewind. send me
1: over the details not not yeah. that this is what this podcast is for but no, yeah, no, sorry.
0: i just thought i'd uh i'd share it with you well last time we actually well met in person i I know you mentioned an interest in it but um yeah i think, find out more deep but that's yeah deep, that era of series is not my cup of tea Percy. but anyway that's beside the point so i suppose that covers your sort of your note i won't call it a rant it was more like a note of caution out there for people who um may be looking to modify in this case a 330 uh e46 but in case any other cars because i'm fairly confident that there's not really much out there for a Fitch and cinquecento either um although there might be i haven't really looked so um yeah um Right, I want to talk about something um, that kind of grinds my gears a bit. And I know we kind of touched upon it a few weeks ago, or touched upon the topic, should I say, and that's motorways. And I know before everyone turns off again, it's not about the names of the motorways. It's more about motorway driving habits, right? And I know Rob would obviously have a good viewpoint on this as well, um, particularly living in different countries. But that's kind of what I want to touch upon, really. It's just, first of all, Not that I've been abroad recently and not that anyone has really, uh, given the current climate, but motorway ethos and culture is completely different where you depending on where you go around the world right and one could say that makes complete sense but let's even talk close to home like across europe like you drive in france they're okay the roads are smooth etc etc you drive in italy they're complete maniacs they don't use indicators blah blah now i'm one to say that i think out of all the countries that i've visited particularly in europe i have to say the uk driving roads probably have to be one of the more what's the word i'm looking for? safer and i genuinely mean that i'm not being sarcastic either but my beef is just because they're safer relatively speaking they're still full of well to put it nicely idiots really to be honest because there's just so many things that just just grind my gears when i drive up and down the motorway and and to to list a few because i've done a bit of motorway mileage the past couple weeks is well i mean it's got to be the petrol head well anyone's prime hate middle lane hoggers they deserve to go to hell. I don't. I don't strong like... words
1: there, Sash. Very, very strong words there.
0: <laughs> it's it, it's really annoying, and I'm I'm guessing you share my frustration uh, frustration on this, Mike.
1: Yeah, I mean, my my pet hate is you know when you're coming up behind a middle lane hogger and you're in the left hand lane, completely empty motorway. Am I right? I'll go all the way around them to the outside lane, all the way back in because you're going faster than them, and then you pull back in to the left-hand lane, and then they speed up. And you're just yeah. like, you, like, you might be sat there on cruise control, and you've just overtook them still in cruise control, gone back into the left-hand lane, and then they take you, and then drop back again, do the same, and just keep doing that. i like, what what are you doing? And know, anyway, these are all, we, we live in a time now where all cars come with cruise control. All new cars pretty much come with cruise control. You're right. If you're sat on an empty motorway, Get in the left hand lane, stick it at 70 miles an hour, and just go. Like, why? How is that so difficult?
0: I, this is the thing, and, and you kind of already touched upon my next point is that I know a few people, um, and I see a lot of people on the motorway who just that's another problem, they can't keep a consistent speed, right? And now, and they just like they slow down, they speed up, and blah blah blah. And I think that is. The main cause of tailbacks on the motorway is people unnecessarily using their brakes. So they'll like speed up, then slow down, and then speed up, and then slow down, and all that sort of tail light action is is doing the same sort of ricochet effect for everyone else behind them. So people are trying to, you know, stick to their lanes as you should do, or you should be going moving into the slowing. But they just they just speed up and down, and it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. But I think one thing that annoys me possibly even more than middle lane hoggers or at least on par is when people leave their indicators on on the motorway and just haven't done it so i've seen it a few times now somebody stuck their indicator on to indicate to go into a faster lane and they don't but i to then slow down thinking oh right he wants to, he or she wants to move out and then they don't but then you, so think, you
1: go wrong sash you just floor it to go past them oh, <laughs> then it's not I your just, problem
0: <laughs> you're right though it isn't my problem and that's kind of what i do now with middle lane hoggies is that i do the whole let's overtake them in the fast lane and then cut right across them well not too close ooh, but you ooh, know very dangerous there
1: sash no you just Big, got to do it at a safe distance just to really show them this is where you could be this is where you should be
0: but they just don't they just don't get it mike that's a problem and the thing is, I've never been able to do that until fairly recently because I've never owned a car fast enough that I can just overtake something quite comfortably, <laughs> then, like you know. Um, but now in the jet fighter, it's quite nice because literally I'm like, well, I'm bored now, and I just overtake them, and th- then it's just happy days. Then, but the problem is, is that sometimes they get the hint. I'd say on average, ten percent of them get the hint, but the rest of them, the rest of the ninety percent don't get it they just they just stay in the middle lane and i just sometimes what i've done is like i've overtaken them but i've i've stayed in their lane so i've overtaken to go in the middle lane and then what i do is just like put my indicators on like left to right to just try and like, and I do this for people who leave their indicators on as well, to just sort of hopefully they'll get the hint, Why is that guy indicating like left and right furiously? And like, oh, wait, because I need to go into the left or the right or whatever they need to be in. They just don't. It's just, oh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: That's just there'll my be a, there'll be a, in an alternate universe there'll be someone's uh, motoring podcast with a pet peeve that says they just hate it when people go in front of them and put their indicators on and they just don't go in the right direction you know
0: well it's just it's just uh, it's mainly for people who've forgotten their indicators on and I just kind of think they get the hint I mean I've seen people drive on the motorway before with hazards on but not because they're breaking down or not because they want to stop it's because somehow they've pressed the hazard button and it's usually. On all the occasions I've seen it, the pers- the car they've been driving is a Rover 75. Like, those are the prime ones for leaving their hazards on, I- I'd say.
1: It might just have really quiet indicators. I mean, I can't remember what the Rover 75's indicator noise is like, but you know, I
0: don't know it's just because it's driven by like you know, hundred year old people who just can't hear anything, and it's the indicators are actually quite loud, but they just can't hear them. Bless them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I i just i just think it's ridiculous. Sweeping and...
1: generalizations there. As
0: well, let's, fa- let's face <laughs> it, most people who drive a Rover 75, you have to be of that age to be honest. I just
1: drove one, I nearly
0: bought one. Yeah, I know. I'm, I kind of gutted you didn't because I actually quite like them, but it's just the people that drive them I'm not a big fan of. Not them personally, but you know what I mean <laughs> um but um, yeah, so motorways uh, just there's just so many things, and I'm not even gonna go into it now, but it's just like they just deserve they just need to be they just need to be more controlled i think if you like I know the police are very busy nowadays, but there is technically a law now that says if you drive more than a mile in your middle lane hogging' you're liable to the. F- to an offence but it'd never get done because that would rely on you know police cars following middle lane hoggers and then the police is under under force as it is and you know they haven't got time to deal with that anyway um so i'm not sure what the solution is be better i know but how do we everyone make should mess- just be better well i don't know mm, this is true maybe well <laughs> actually, actually This kind of, well, it doesn't link on at all to a topic because it's just sprung into my head. But um, we want to have a word with um, a leading um, YouTube channel. That's Automotive. And that's um, one of my favourites, Car Throttle. So we've got a theory actually about Car Throttle, haven't we? Do we? Well, I think so. We've got a theory that they might be listening to this podcast
1: and then going back in time and making videos 3 months ago based on well, the same things that we're talking about now
0: don't you think it's uncanny though just well, how yeah it, it's like,
1: like
0: like for instance the land rover thing how i've been talking about doing this land rover thing for ages they do it. i'm i'm not saying they don't deserve to do it fair play to them they do it <laughs> I've got no problem with that they're great i actually like I'm I'm being slightly facetious in what I'm saying, but I think they do great content, blah, blah, blah. But it is uncanny. We were talking about cheap track day car. At on Friday, cheap track day car video. Like, it just seems quite uncanny, I think. I don't know if it's Alex who's listening, or it might be Ethan, or it might be Jack. I don't know. You know, but I'd quite like to meet them, actually. But, you know, I just... I, just, I mean, I... I'm
1: going to go on a limb here and say none of them are listening. Um... Right. It's probably quite a big coincidence because I feel like they probably record those videos some months in advance.
0: Mm. You say that though. I mean, I don't know. Did you watch the track day one?
1: I did. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was a great video. Really liked it. And I think you're right in saying that they they definitely bought the car a few couple of months ago because the weather you can tell was just a lot nicer. But they definitely did the track day thing pretty recently. I think because you can just tell that it's just dark, I don't know, I could be wrong because
1: it was part of the challenge, they bought the car and then drove it to the track day within like a 24 hour period
0: oh yeah they did didn't they,
1: yeah that was the whole point oh right so I think they just did it like back in the summer
0: subject of forget the car throttle listening to our podcast because um that's just
1: really hopes they are he just he's just really going out for some free merch you just really want stickers don't you mate i I just
0: (laughs) just do like you know like you know guys if you're listening like comment subscribe
1: um
0: well we'll give you a thumbs up i i we endorse you every week you know um it's a great it's great uh along
1: with top gear and every other car program that you've ever watched
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah well actually speaking of car programs we have gone slightly um off topic here but um you you know i'm a big fan of wheeler dealers great show i don't know if you I watch do, it yeah. you know but that often but they've just announced today just released that the new macau the relatively new mechanic has been there a few years and instead is leaving sad times so sad times. so they're getting another guy who was in the feature in another series which i actually think is quite but the key message is they were doing um they, they were doing the show since a few years ago in america right mm-hmm. and the reason why they did it and i can understand the reasoning behind it was because out there in california rust isn't an issue and the weather isn't so much of an issue yeah right Which is, and they can make more episodes however they've announced today that they're coming back to the uk so they can mend some old rusty austin allegro and (laughs) it's all good in the world and just have to
1: make body panels every single week
0: true i mean the thing is though i I mean i had no beef with them moving out to california i think the premise of the idea was very good um but i do think that what's a bit of a shame is that obviously this varies country to country but you can't have we don't get the same cars as they do Mm. out there there is some models like for instance they had I'm sorry to keep bringing it up again, but the Mazda MX-5, they had a Mark II, and I think it's called the Mazda MX-5 Speed, or just called the Mazda Speed, and it was only available in America, but that was, I think it was turbocharged, so it was a 1.8 turbo, but they only ever made it for the American market. That's weird. Very weird. Don't understand why. Quite jealous, because I was like, because they were like, this week we're doing the Mazda Speed, and I was like... I've Never heard of it. What's the Mazda speed? And they're like, it's basically an MX5 1.8, but with a turbo. But they only did it in America,
1: yeah. Think I mean, can. linking back to what we we're saying earlier, if you want to modify a car, that's the car to go for.
0: Mm. And this is why I'm considering buying one.
1: You're gonna turbocharge an MX5, but oh yeah,
0: I might do, might do, Ooh. might um, might just uh, weld the diff as well.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a given. Well, that's like a afternoon's
0: work well you know uh, no in all seriousness i am thinking about it but i'm not sure whether i wouldn't buy a mark ii though well probably not i'll probably buy a mark 3 which is a bit more refined so i could use it
1: refined probably... yeah
0: yeah they are they're good okay. cars they yes. yeah yeah they're good great cars six speed manual refinement to the max but um yeah, So sorry we digress um i suppose again it kind of relates to my latest endeavors of um sorry trawling through the classify um ads is i want to talk about um write-offs right Uh, and specifically uh, i've noticed this quite recently because i've been looking is that you come across an ad and you, and you sort of set yourself a price range for a car and you're thinking, right, for that money, I can get this sort of year for this sort of, uh, you know, mileage. And that's kind of the accepted price range. Right. But then all of a sudden you sometimes see these cars, same car, sorry, that is just, say, four five years newer in some cases with similar sort of miles, if not lower, for the same sort of price. And you think, well, why is this? And I've read these ads on a few occasions now, and you get to the bottom, and it says, please note that this was a Category S or Category N write-off, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I can't, the write-off rules have changed over the past few years, and I'm not well, well acquainted with them. But I think Category S is one of the lightest damage ones you can get now.
1: No. No? Is it Cater- not? Category N basically stands... Well, I'm not entirely sure if this is what they actually stand for, but as a rule of thumb, the N stands for non-structural, the S stands for structural. Oh, really? So N, N is like bodywork damage and stuff that's uh, just cosmetic and things like that, but S is structural damage. It's 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 the equivalent to the old Cat C and Cat D, was it?
0: Yeah, that's, that's how I remember it. Um... I'm just going to double check that because I'm, I'm curious now. It's not like... Um, um, I don't, but the question I have is, would you... Or well, this is a topic point for all of us, really. But would you buy a write-off?
1: Depends what you want it for. I mean, I, absolutely, yeah. If you're looking for a car and you really, really, really want to drive that car, and you really want to own it, and you're not getting it for the money purposes, it's always worth looking into if you're prepared... That there may be some issues with it that you might have to deal with, as with mm. any car. To be honest, that's just all secondhand cars. Mm.
0: Mm. Sorry, I'm just looking at the RAC website, and you're you are spot on. To be honest, Category S was formerly Category C, and that is
1: structural damage. Yeah, you don't really want to back out. No, but at 10 only... yeah, there, there is a bit of a a point with it. Though, obviously, for buying it, it's not really an issue. The price is just lower. If you accept that you buy it lower, you sell it lower, fine. But I've got a funny feeling that insurance costs are different. Even if you get a cat N, I think the insurance is. Expensive.
0: That is a very good point. Because don't Cause they previously not really been ask
1: written
0: you. off? They do. Yeah, yeah, they do ask you: has this car ever been written off in an accident?
1: They do. Yeah. Right. So a funny feeling is more expensive to insure it, which doesn't really make sense. And also, well, I do think, I can't, I can't remember if there's a way that you can get the write-off sort of tag removed from the vehicle if you, like, you know, completely rebuild it and take it to, like, qualified mechanics who sign it all off and say, yeah, it's all good to go. I don't know if you can ever get it taken off. I'm not entirely sure. I
0: don't think you can. And the yeah, only reason why I know this is because what happened to Rob's car because rob's car was a right well not not when he not when he bought it but uh, in my hands it was not i wasn't driving at the time but it was written off by the insurance companies but we decided to keep it and it was a category n now so non-structural just bumpers and you know crash bar behind or whatever now the only thing you could do is that car will always be a write-off and be registered as a write-off but when you if you decide to fix a car up it doesn't matter whether you fix it or yourself or whether the insurance company does it. It then has to get re mot So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether the MOT is due then. It just needs to get re would after you've fixed it up to just basically say, is it roadworthy or not? Um, and I think that's all you can do. But I don't think you can ever remove the tag. No. I think that's the reason why they're cheaper. It's because they've almost like... I don't know it's just got this like stamp on it to say this once was in a crash and people just i think inherently and i'm not saying i'm not guilty of this either I just think oh want to stay away from that
1: but i think the only reason why i mean i know it's the only reason why i kind of do that is because they, they are more difficult to sell but they're only more difficult to sell because people know they're more difficult to sell mm, see what i mean yeah you just think well i don't want to buy that car because it's going to be like really hard for me to shift on it's going to be a bit cheaper you know which then means that if someone was to buy it yeah you just go around in a loop i know i suppose if it's it almost de- like I, yeah,
0: yeah i suppose it depends like you say on what 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 you want it for and what you intend you intend to keep it because basically if you buy it and you want to like basically keep it and run it to the ground or just just keep hold of it for a while and you're not that bothered about the depreciation um then i think a category say like a category um n is a good investment. Well, not investment, but it's a good uh, good thing to buy because you will get a lot more car for your money, like in terms of like age and spec and stuff like yeah. that. You can often get... And the only reason why I know this is because I've looked at MX-5s and you know you can get a lot newer ones that are a lot better. You know, they're more refined and blah, blah, blah. And they did a few alterations on them for the same money, if not slightly less in some cases. Mm-hmm. So... I just want to know your viewpoints on it, really. And I think, do you know what's a shame? Though, I do think that it, I kind of get it because I've now fixed the write off, so I know kind of roughly what's involved, and it is a bit of a faff. But I feel like insurance companies write off cars too often oh, when, yeah. when they're just when when they don't need to be. Like, there's so many cars out there that I guarantee have just been written off for like literally the lightest or the mildest of damage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what what I don't like, and you you had this exact case with Rob's car, is that if if I say just completely on my own crashed into my wall or whatever, so all the damage was done on things that I own, no other insurance was involved and stuff. I told the insurance company, and they came and looked at the car and said, "Yep, that's a write off." But I was like, "No, I want to keep my car because I really like it, and I'll just." fix it up and then you're all good. If it was a Cat N, this is obviously Cat S is something completely different. Yeah, yeah. This is all just for non-structural damage. I don't see why then that car has to be, you know, more difficult to insure and all the rest of it and why you have to go through all these hoops and things. If it's just, if it's your vehicle that you've broken and now you want to keep it and just put, basically like for, for a car like mine, I bet if you dented up the back wing, they just write it off. you can pick up E46 wings fairly easily and fairly cheaply. So why can't you just let me do that work and then call it quits?
0: I think it's just more the fact that Uh, they base a lot of the quotes on like brand new parts i'm not sure like if you can get a brand new e46 bumper now but i'm just saying for example you know they just say well if you want to get this up to like factory fresh but the chances are with a car that's like 15 18 years old or whatever it is it's not going to be factory fresh on the outside so you're not that bothered about whether like the bumper has come obviously off an e46 but maybe like you know obviously the paintwork might work better or worse off the car it came off than yours you know yeah, so it yeah, might be yeah. like a slightly thing because you know if you if you pay real close attention like you can tell when a car has had like replacement panels and blah 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 but most of the time to the, to the untrained eye it doesn't it doesn't even matter like i replaced the wing on rob's car fairly well last this year last year last year and um i mean it came off a of vw Bora silver and you could never tell that, you know, in my eyes, that it, it came off a different different car. It's just like that. You could think that's the original wing. I mean, if you know anything about VW Boras or Gulfs of that era, you definitely know it isn't the original ring because they don't last that long. But that's <laughs> that's 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 not the point anyway. But um, so I think I think the the tip that we've got here is buy. Don't, don't what? Don't buy don't one. Don't write the car off. Well. Ideally, don't write your car off, but if you can't avoid writing your car off, then you're going to get a cheap deal. Well, the person who's going to buy it off you is going to get a cheap deal uh, at the other end. But then it might just be a bit of a pain to sell. So I think um, I think I think I think that's kind of nicely summarized, to be honest. Um, and I think I don't really know. I'm just looking for the list, Mike. I, I think, to be honest, we've kind of c- touched upon sort of the main points that I wanted to talk about today. Actually, um, yeah, car accidents. The only reason, again, I'm sort of I'm going through the same thing. A write-off of my brother's Mark II Golf at the moment. I mean, he hasn't claimed for the car, so basically, he's just sorting it out himself. But the thing is, I, I actually have to say, if you are word of caution, if you are going to fix up a write-off, whatever you think is initially damaged. Even if it's just um even if it's not structural there'll always be little bits and pieces that you hadn't anticipated for I don't know whether this is just a VW thing but like we had a look at it and we thought oh yeah get yourself a bumper a crash bar um, and you're good to go but turns out that we also need we only discovered this the other day like uh, the front cross member not part of the chassis but that's slightly bent as well now, you can get away with, like, you know, just sort of tacking it together or whatever, but my brother likes it perfect, so we're going to have to get a new one of them. Um, so that's the only word of caution, I would say. But the thing is, though, uh, I know, you, technically speaking, you know, if you go by the letter of the law, you know, maybe you, sh- maybe you shouldn't not tell your insurers, but the amount of money that people are trying to, get out of other people, like, I told, I said this on one of the podcasts before anyway, how you know, how the woman slash bloke uh, tried to rip my brother off for, like, seats that needed to be replaced in the back of their A1 which had nothing to do with it when they had a graze on their bumper like, it's just, people would just try and pull the wool over your eyes, I think at any, any opportunity which is a shame, really, because, you mm. know we're living in tough times you know, um, so just be just be nice to everyone. Well actually I suppose um I suppose on one final note, as some of you may or may not be aware, by the time this podcast goes out, um we will be still fast approaching a an lockdown within England. And normally I think it's a good opportunity when we had the last lockdown into developing new skills. Um and I think, you know, last time I helped build a shed. Uh, did a few bits and pieces. And um, I wanted to know, Mike, will you be honing in on some skills this lockdown?
1: Ooh, well, that's, that's a tough that's, question. That's, that's coming that's, completely that's... out of the blue, that is. Well, you
0: know, I just thought of it. it it's kind of not that motoring-related to me. I mean, it can be motoring-related, but I just thought, you know, to give people ideas listening to this podcast. So I've spoken to a lot of people, and like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And I'm like, well, I do. But I'm well, just yeah, curious. Yeah, I
1: mean, there's, a, there's actually some stuff that I've been meaning to do on the car that I will now get around to doing. So there's a minor repair that I need to do on the seat bolsters. I'm probably going to replace the speakers. Um, And it's just kind of stuff that I haven't got around to doing.
0: Mm. Perfect opportunity to, to be fair. It's just a bit unfortunate now that the weather and and the seasons and the daylight is slightly against us, unlike last time. So we Mm. haven't necessarily got as much time in the day, per se. Um, Well, actually, I uh that's that's a good answer to be fair um i'm actually hoping to do something that's not that car related i'm gonna try and learn how to cook properly um during, and i've actually bought myself a cookbook um and it's actually a new cookbook released by james may it's called oh cook yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, and yeah it, it's designed at the beginner and uh, it's got 60 easy recipes and should i sort of It's quite nicely categorised, Mike. You might be interested in this, actually. I know we're wildly off topic here, but just for the viewers or the listeners, it's got quite nicely, it's chaptered into different segments. So we've got brunch as the first chapter. Then we've got pasta as chapter two. Then we've got, uh, they've got curries, um, pub grub, um,
1: desserts as well, or spongy stuff. All all of your favourites in there, mate, all of them.
0: Well, do you know what I mean? I know you're you're a uh, roast as well. Yeah, I mean you've you're a pretty good cook, especially when it comes to winging it. Um, you're pretty good at that, and you somehow manage to make it taste quite nice. Um, despite when you wing it. But I think what's the beauty of this book? Um, I'm really selling it now. Actually, is the fact that you know when you follow recipes. I don't know if you do you ever follow recipes or not. Really,
1: very very rarely, very yeah. rarely.
0: Does it annoy you when you follow a recipe and it goes, oh, can you like, you know, put 130 grams of like, you know, butter or whatever and blah. blah, blah. And you're like, well, I don't have weighing scales. So, no, I don't know what that is. And I know as engineers, we should be good at like, you know, estimating what stuff is. But I'm I'm not good at that. And they always say, and use this specific utensil, which you don't have in your kitchen.
1: You just got to start acquiring them, mate. I've got loads of them. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You're right, all right. But the beauty of this
0: book is is that it keeps things simple. Um, just how you like it, mate. Just how I like it. And I think as well as that, um, what I may be doing, this could be news, I might be, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, be able to acquire a garage soon. So if that happens, um, I will ditch the cooking and um, spend some money on some... Turbo charges in an next Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that. Yeah, I think that sounds sounds about right. To be fair, um, right. Okay. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on uh this week's podcast. Thank you very much for joining it. Hopefully, uh, we might be back on full form next week. I don't know. It depends if Rob's doing business. Um, but we just want to say, as well as that, these podcasts will still be going during the lockdown because if not, everyone's plans should be cancelled now i hope yours are mike i hope you're not partying anywhere yeah
1: partying as per usual you know me
0: not not that he does anyway um but yeah from us thank you very much for listening and i will dump um the outro music right about now and the beauty of this is i can just stop recording <laughs>